Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Ouellette. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is going to be a good day. God is good. Amen. Thank you, Colton and Monet, for sharing uh, what you shared. Yeah, we're excited that Roe v. Wade was overturned. That's a huge victory for our nation. I want to just read you one verse. It's uh, about this issue. It's John 10.10. says, The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, But I have come so that they may have life and life abundantly. So abortion has never been about pro-choice versus pro-life. It's always been pro-life versus pro-death. And God's stance on this is very clear. Jesus said, I come to bring life. He says, the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. No one should have the right to take another human being's life. Amen. 63 million babies. Sixty three million lives taken since nineteen seventy three when Roe v. Wade passed. That's 10 times the number of Jews killed in the Holocaust. How many know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood? Our fight's not with people. This is is a spiritual issue. Our fight is with the enemy. And in fact, um, God has grace, healing, and redemption for every person who's had an abortion. And our job with women who have had abortions is to come around them to love them. I mean, no, God is not angry with them. God has compassion on them. God loves them. So if we're going to reflect God's heart, we need to come around them and love them. We're not in a position of judgment. We're in a position of compassion and restoration and love because that's the Father's heart. There's so many amazing redemption stories of God redeeming what the enemy has stolen. So if there's anybody here that's been through that, we love you. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to condemn you, but to love you. And we will come around you and love you. So there is repercussions. And this is something we need to understand about this issue. There's repercussions to being in alignment with the spirit of death as a nation. When we say, yes, we, we're in agreement with this, and we believe that women have the right to take another life. We're in agreement with the spirit of death. And so there's, rep, there's been, I believe, repercussions in our nation because we've been in this agreement with the spirit. And I believe that a lot of those agreements just got broken. And I believe that a revival is coming in our nation in the area of morality 
And I specifically believe that there's going to be a moral revolution in our young people. That the young generation is going to stand up and say, no, we don't agree with this. We don't agree with this. We're not partnering with this anymore. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for what has just happened in our nation. And God, we, I agree with what Colton and Manet said. The fight has just begun. God, we know our fight is, is not against flesh and blood. And so, but God, we want a war in the heavenlies to see righteous laws in our nation. But more importantly, God, we want the hearts of the people to change. God, that people will come out of the agreement with any spirit of death. God, that we will value life like never before in our nation, that we'll rise up and take a stand. We just pray for your kingdom to come in all the states, God, as we go forward. We just pray for just prayer warriors to just hit heaven about this issue and for us to see just so much ground be taken back from the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so that's not what I'm going to talk about today, (laughs) but I wanted to just touch on that. So I had a revelation lately, recently, and it's what inspired this message today. So when God speaks to you, this is something interesting that I remember Dave Harvey said when he was here a couple months ago. He said, I'm always listening. Like, God, is that you? Are are you trying to talk right now? And so when you know God's like speaking or maybe, maybe you see something interesting or you hear something or it's always good to just, God, is that you? Are you, are you like, are you starting a conversation? And so I feel like I had this revelation and I feel like it was God starting a conversation with me. And the revelation was this, I was actually fretting. I was fretting about some situations with my children. And I feel like the Lord said, Daniel, they're my kids. I've just given them to you to steward, but they're my kids. And I don't even know if I can fully articulate it, but that just lifted so much pressure from me. Like God knew them before they were born. He put them in our care to steward. He knows all about them. He loves them more than I could possibly love them. He's more for them than I could possibly be for them. And he is protecting them. We're in this together. I'm not alone trying to figure things out on my own. And so that started this conversation with me and God about stewardship. Raising children is a stewardship issue. Stewarding what God has given to me and my wife. So raising your kids is about stewarding what God's given you. So we're going to talk about stewardship today. So here's the question of the day. How are you stewarding what God has given you? How are we stewarding what God has given us? How are we stewarding our finances? How are we stewarding our children, our possessions, our time? 
Also, but what about your dreams? How are you stewarding the dreams that you have? How are you stewarding your gifts, the gifts that God's given you, your talents? So what is stewardship exactly? Well, the dictionary.com says this. It says, the responsible overseeing, remember that word, the responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. By the way, the word stewardship is 20 points in Scrabble. So that's what came up when I Googled it, so I, I wrote it down. And I want to draw your attention to the word oversee. So as, as I mentioned, everything is God's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So we are not really an owner of anything, but we're a steward of what God has given to us. We're stewarding his stuff. We're overseers. So let's say this. Say, I'm an overseer. God's the owner. You're an overseer. I'm an overseer of what God has given us. This is the key in understanding stewardship. Your life was given to you by God, but he allows you to oversee it. Your very life belongs to God. I feel like God's starting to talk to me more about surrender. That's the reason we can surrender our life, because it's not ours. He's given us our very life. He can take our very life. And the best thing that we can do with our life is surrender it. Say, God, I surrender to you. The gifts and talents that you have were given to you by God, but he allows you to steward them. He gave you the ability and giftings to create income, but he allows you to steward your income however you wish. So everything in life was given to you by God, but how many know God values freedom really highly? He gives us our life. He gives us gifts. He gives us the talents, but he doesn't put conditions on what we do with them and how we do it. He gives us freely choi- free choice to do what we will with all of those things. And it started in the garden. God put them in the garden, and they were free. They had choice. That's why the tree of the knowledge of good and evil had to be there, because otherwise there wasn't choice. They had choice. He gave them their lives. He gave them the garden. It's all God's, but he allowed them to steward it. So everything is his to give, but it's ours to manage. So the moment that we recognize that in our life, it takes some of the pressure off. David said in the Psalms, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So who made the day? Who, who made the day? So it's his day, but we get to decide what we do with it. David says, this is the day that God has made, but I will rejoice and be glad in it. So we get to decide how we're going to steward the day that God has given us. It's his day, but it's ours to manage. So stewarding what God has given to us is a huge, huge deal in our life. 
And Jesus tells us a story about stewardship in Matthew chapter 25. So if you have your Bible or if you have a digital version, you can go to Matthew 25. And we're going to be there for the rest of the morning. Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 14. And I'm reading this morning from the Amplified, so it might have a few extra words than yours does. But I really like what the Amplified says and how it, ex- it, it kind of expands on some of the things that I believe Jesus is saying. So it says this, For it's just like a man who is about to take a journey, and he called his servants together and entrusted them with his possessions. Whose possessions? His possessions. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and then he went on his journey. So this is an amazing story. The master in this story that leaves and goes on a journey represents Father God. The servants represent us. The talents that were given represent gifting, Finances, resources, and ability. Gifting, finances, resources, and ability. How many know it's not healthy to look at someone else's finances, resources, giftings, and ability and say, why didn't I get that? How come they got more? Not healthy to do that. Let me tell you something. You don't want what someone else has if God didn't give you the grace for it. You don't want what someone else has. You don't want their responsibilities, their finances, their, if God didn't give you the grace for it. But here's the good news is as we steward what is ours, God gives us more. So don't look at what God has given someone else. Look at what God has given you and steward it well, because he who is faithful with little will be rewarded with much. And along with the much, the extra that he gives when we steward what we have well, he gives us the added grace to steward it. Amen? So you will only steward well what you appreciate. You'll only steward what you appreciate. Now, the word appreciate means to recognize the value of. So you'll only steward well what you recognize the value of. So if someone feels unappreciated, that means they don't feel like their value is recognized. So if you don't appreciate what God has given you, you won't steward it well. Do we appreciate the family that we have? Do we appreciate the spouse that we have? Do we appreciate the finances that we have? Do you appreciate the giftings that God has given you? Because if you don't recognize the value and the gift of the giftings and calling that God has given you, you won't steward them. I've realized I have a gift of exhortation, just like encouraging people. But if I don't acknowledge that gift, if I don't recognize it, if I don't remember that that's there, I won't encourage people. But every time I remember like, oh yeah, I'm an encourager. This is a gifting God's given me. 
it reminds me to ask myself, who can I encourage? Because if I don't recognize the value of it, I just won't steward it. It'll just go unstewarded. So, and it can sound like this with you. Well, there's so many more people that are more spiritually gifted than me. What can my little gift do? This is why thankfulness is so powerful. Thankfulness helps us appreciate what God's been given to us. Thankfulness, there's been so many studies done on thankfulness that it just changes so much in your life when you just simply are thankful. But one thing that thankfulness does is it helps you appreciate something, assign value to something. Like, I, I am thankful. Like, when I just take the time to think, I'm, oh, God, I'm thankful for my wife. It helps me to appreciate my wife and to value her. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for the finances that you have given me. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for you guys. When, it, when I have thankfulness, it helps me see the value of all the things I'm thankful for, and it brings me into a place of wanting to steward those things well. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. The one who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made a profit and gained five more. Likewise, the one who had two made a profit and gained two more. But the one who had received the one went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Don't dig a hole in the ground and bury your talents in the hole in the ground. Not long after, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came and brought him five more, saying, Master, you entrusted me five talents. See, I have made a profit and gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful and trustworthy over a little. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in the joy of your master. So I want to stop right here. Here's a biblical insight to living with joy. If you want to experience true joy, steward the things that God has given you well. Because he stewarded well what was given to him, the master said, Now come and share in the joy of the Lord. Now this has to do, some of this I'm processing in real time because this is like a conversation that God's having with me. This so much has to do with surrendering your life and trusting God that actually stewarding my life the way that he's shown me to do according to vision, not according to desire, but according to vision and according to what he's showed me to do, actually is going to produce the most joy in my life that I could possibly imagine. Because when I'm led by what I think is right, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is a way of death. So when I'm led by what I think is right, when I'm not led by the Holy Spirit, when I'm led purely by desire, it will lead to anxiety, fear, all kinds of stuff. But when I'm led by vision, when I'm led by what God has shown me to do, when I'm led by taking the cues of like, this is what God has gifted me to do. This is the person he's created me to be. And I'm going to steward my life according to what he's shown me because my life's not mine. It's not mine. 
And we need to come into a place where we know he's a good dad. And we know that when we actually steward our life according to vision and what he's shown us, it's going to fill us full of the master's joy. This is the way to joy. This is a key to joy, to living with joy. If you want to experience joy, steward well the things that God has given you. Verse 22. Also, the one who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've made a profit, gaining two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful and trustworthy over a little. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in the joy of your master. Verse 24, the one who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a harsh and demanding man, reaping the harvest where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. Remember that. I was afraid to lose the talent. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is your own. But the master answered him, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I reap the harvest where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed. Then you ought to have put my money with the bankers. And in return, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has and values his blessings and gifts from God and uses them wisely, more will be given. And he will be richly supplied so that he will have an abundance from the, one who do, uh, from the one who does not have because he has ignored or disregarded his blessings and gifts from God. Even what he does have will be taken away. And throw out the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place of grief and torment, there will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger. So I had a revelation like three years ago when I was reading this passage. The Lord, I was in a season where the Lord was teaching me about finances. And he was, I was getting an upgrade in, in the area of finances and the way I thought about finances. And I read this story and something stood out to me that I'd never, ever seen before. And that's what we just read, that there was this one man who had one talent. And he, he goes and he, he, because of fear, he hides it. He buries it in the ground. But he brings it back. This is what baffled me like, like three years ago when I was studying this. He brings it back to his master and gives him what he gave him. He didn't waste it. You think to be called wicked, it would have been like, hey, you, you took the money. Like it, it would make more sense if he took the money and he spent it on himself or if he just wasted it. That would make more sense that he would be called wicked, but he didn't waste it. He brought it back to him. So the problem wasn't that he wasted what was given. The problem was that he didn't do anything with it. And this was a revelation to me when it came to finances and that God actually, you know, now we're just talking about finances for a second. With the finances that we've been, give, we've been given, he actually expects us to take the money that we've been given and use it to make more money. It's, it's plain as day. It's like, that was the problem. It's not that he wasted it. He didn't do anything with it. He didn't multiply it. The, the servants that multiplied it, well done. Good and faithful servant. So did you know that investing is spiritual? 
Absolutely, it's a spiritual concept. It's right here in the in the word, and and it it could look like various things. It could look like starting a business, taking some money and multiplying that money. It could look like investing in real estate. It can look like a, a variety of things. But when you take the money that God's given you and you multiply it, that's actually a spiritual thing to do. So here's the thing: this concept, this parable, doesn't just apply to money. It applies to gifting, resources, and ability. So if God expects us to multiply our talents, how do we multiply our giftings, resources, and ability? Because God expects us to take what he's given us and multiply it. So I want to give you just a couple ways that we can do that. So number one, whatever your gifts are, keep growing in these areas. Keep expanding. This is one of the ways that we multiply what has been given to us. And the thing I think, because I like sports, I'm speaking to the men right now and a few women who like sports, is like when they talk about like the NBA, they're like, you know, at this level, everybody's gifted. Everybody has a boatload of natural talent. So what separates the people who are great from the people who are average is people who have worked hard to hone their skill. And you see it like clear as day, like when you, when you hear stories of like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and LeBron James, those guys all work harder than anybody else. And everybody knows it. Like Michael Jordan was always the first guy to come to the gym. And he was always the last guy to leave. He'd stay after games. They'd win the game. And he'd be upset about shots he missed and be practicing moves and be like rehearsing, like, how did I, how could I do this better? So, Don't be content with the natural gifts and abilities that you have. Work to increase those gifts. One of the ways you do that is by using them. If God's made you an encourager, encourage people. Become good at it and get better at it. If God's made you a prophetic person, work to grow in the prophetic. Use your prophetic gift. Take prophetic courses. Use the gift and multiply it. Don't just be content with the natural ability that you have. Use your gift and multiply it. Are you guys awake this morning? Keep growing. Keep growing, keep growing. If you're a leader, take leadership courses. Grow to become a great leader. Don't just be content, well, I've got this natural leadership ability, and I'll just coast on that. Grow. Become a great leader. So whatever your gifting is, continue to grow in it. Number two, here's another way, and here's a really big way that we multiply the gifts and the abilities and the resources that we have. And it's about legacy. It's about passing on what you have. Determine to duplicate yourself and others. Whatever, whatever area God's gifted you in, determine to duplicate yourself. Now, one of the easiest places we can do this, parents, is with our children. Like, I'm not going to let whatever thing that I have blazed a trail in or gotten breakthrough in, I'm not going to let it die with me, but I'm going to pass it to my children. 
This is how we multiply what's hap- what God's done in our life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that my children get the same breakthrough. I'm going to make sure that they understand the same thing that I've, I've gotten wisdom in. I love this quote. I found this quote a few years ago, and I just, I've just kept held on to it. And it's just such a great quote. It's about leadership. It says, great leaders don't create followers. Great leaders create more leaders. This is Jesus' example. He created, he duplicated himself in 12 people. And those 12 people took the gospel all over the world. Those 12 people spread the gospel all over the world, that Christianity is, is just spread all over the world, even today. Because he duplicated himself in these 12 people, he didn't create followers, he created more leaders. Yes, they, were, they chose to follow, but he created leaders. He said, the things that I do, you're going to do greater things. That's leadership. That's fathering. That's legacy. That's like, I want my kids to go farther. I want you guys to go farther. I want you to, to do more, to have, have more, to be able to steward more. Great leaders don't create followers. They create more leaders. So duplicate yourself in others. It's one of the ways that we steward the gifts that God has given us. We're not just sitting on them. You know, you have to come out of... a competition mindset to duplicate yourself. And you have to step into a fathering mindset. Because we're not in competition. Like one of the great quotes by Bill Johnson is, is he says, brothers compete, fathers celebrate. So we need to come out of the competition mindset and into the fathering and mothering mindset where we want people to go farther. We want people to succeed. We want them to have what we've had. Amen? When we steward what God has given us, we get to share in the joy of the Lord. It's so powerful. Get to share in the joy of the Lord. The greatest joy you will ever find in life will be stewarding the things that God has given you. This is the greatest joy. If we're not on that track, we're on a track of our own thinking that we're going to find joy according to what we think is, is going to bring us joy instead of, God, I want to steward. I want to do it your way. I want to realize my life's not my own. I want to steward what you've given me well, and I expect the joy of the Lord to be all over me. Okay, so let's talk about some things that may be keeping us from stewarding our lives well, our gifting, our finances, our resources, and ability. So there's a couple of things that God put on my heart. Number one is fear. Fear. The unfaithful steward said, I was afraid. I was afraid to lose the talent. So I went and hid the talent in the ground. Fear can keep us from using the talents that God has given us. Fear will cause you to freeze. How many have ever seen the fainting goats? 
You guys seen those? It's, if you haven't seen it, it's like the, it's the most hilarious thing. I think it proves that God has a really great sense of humor. It's like the, there's these goats. They're called fainting goats. And if you startle them, every muscle just freezes, and they just literally fall over on the ground with their like, limbs in the air. And it takes them a while for them to get like, their movement back. I, almost, I should have showed the video. But yeah, when they get startled, they just, it's like a cartoon. They just flip over, and their legs are just stuck. And this is what fear does to us. We, we get stuck. We get frozen. We, we can't move. So fear may be keeping you from using the gift that God's given you. 1 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 uh, says this. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He's Timothy's spiritual father. And this is what he tells Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. Some translations say, stir it up. Stir up the gift that's in you. Kindle afresh the gift that's in you. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, for God's not given you a spirit of timidity. Some translations say fear. God's not given you a spirit of timidity or fear, but he's given you power, love, and discipline, this translation says. Stir up the gifts that God has given in you because God's not given you the spirit of fear or timidity. He's given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So I want to submit to you that he was probably observing that there was some gifts that he wasn't flowing in because of fear. He's like, God's not given you timidity. Stir up those gifts. What would we talk about earlier? Use your gift. Multiply your gift. Grow in your gift. Stir up the gift because God's not given you timidity. I've shared my testimony before, and I'll just share the really short version of it this morning. But even 10 years ago, I used to look at people preaching on a stage, and I was like, that scares me. I could never do that. I'd get nauseous at the thought of standing up and talking to people like this. Like, just looking at my old pastor and thinking, like, could I do that? I'm like, oh, man, I'm getting nauseous just thinking about it. And literally, I had a spirit of timidity, a spirit of fear. I didn't realize it at the time, but there was a spirit of fear, like, on me. And, again, the really short version of this is one day I just really realized what was happening, and I rose up and took authority over this spirit of fear, and it broke off of my life, and I began to preach, like, the next week. Like, it was an instant thing for me. I wish everything was that, that quick. <laughs> but don't be surprised if the thing that you're most afraid of is actually the thing that God's calling you to do. So I was like, I, whatever I do, I'm not doing that. That's, that's really scary. And it's actually a thing God's called me to do. So fear may be keeping you from stewarding what God's given you. God doesn't want us to be fearful with our gifts, but he wants us to stir them up. Stir up your gifts. Look at your neighbor, say, stir it up. Stir it up. The other thing that might be keeping you from stewarding what God's called you to steward is unworthiness. 
unworthiness, not feeling worthy of the calling that God's given you. If you, excuse me, if you feel unworthy of your callings, you'll sabotage them. So God's a really good dad. He's not going to give you something that he knows you'll sabotage. Wendy Backlund, when she was here, she said this, we're only able to receive what we believe we're worth. We're only able to receive what we believe we're worth. God can't promote you past the level that you believe you're worthy of because if he does, you'll sabotage it. So he's waiting for us to actually step into identity. This is why identity is so important. Step into identity, step into sonship, step into true humility, which, by the way, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility, the real definition of humility, is actually accepting the call of God in your life and saying, yes, Lord. Okay, that's scary, Lord, but yes, Lord. That's true humility, that you're like, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. That's humility. So knowing your identity and your value in Christ is a huge deal to being able to step into what God has called you to step into. So we need to come out of unworthiness. It's time to come out of unworthiness. It's time to embrace our callings and step into them. I just encourage you, like, if you know that's you, if you're like, yeah, I know that I'm supposed to do this, but I I don't feel worthy of it, or I am afraid of it, I encourage you to go after it with a fire. Go after it with a fire. Face those things. Get breakthrough in that area. Get healing. God wants you to get breakthrough in that area more than you want it. He wants you to get breakthrough in those areas because he wants you to be that steward who stewards what he's given you so that he can say, well done, well done, good job. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now you get to share in the joy of the Lord. The most joy you'll ever have is stewarding the gifts that God's given you. Lastly, I'll I'll just say that, you know, again, this is about just realizing my life's not my own. It's God's. I heard a good story the other day. And it was a son who was a, he was a real life prodigal son. His, His dad was a pastor. He was a PK. And the son was gone for 12 years, uh, fully addicted to drugs, was, was fully away from his parents for 12 years in his first 12 years of his adult life. And he came, he said he finally decided to, he, he didn't want to live this way anymore. And he came back to his dad and his dad said, when he, he said he met his dad at the door and his dad said, son, welcome home. And I need you to know that I'm not disappointed in you one bit. And he goes, Dad, how could that be possible? I can't even believe that that's possible, that you're not disappointed in me. And he said, son, my life's not my own. My life's not my own. And I, and I want to see you completely how the Father sees you. I see you with no disappointment. 
I see you as my son who I love. And the, and the son said, that broke me. He said, that broke every rebellion, that broke, like, what, what, what could I possibly rebel against? I'm just loved with open arms. But it comes from an attitude of being like, my life's not my own. His life's not mine. I don't have a right to be disappointed over his life. That's his life to choose what he, what he does with. He can choose that. God gave him that right. I don't have a right to be disappointed because my life's not my own. His life's not my own either. Would you stand this morning? I know, that we, I know that everybody here wants to be a good steward of what God's given you. So I want us to make some good confessions today. So let's just say this together. I am a good steward of the time and resources that God has given me. I am a good steward of the finances entrusted to me. I'm a good steward of the gifts that God has given me. Now, if these confessions don't feel true, you need to begin to say them over yourself every day. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? It says, call the things that are not as though they are. I'm going to begin to call things that are maybe that doesn't, none of that makes sense to you or that doesn't feel true. I'm beginning to begin to call things that are not as God sees them until they become real in my life. I had a, a situation a few years ago where I caught myself saying all the time, like, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Someone's like, I need to, I need to see you. and need me. I don't have time. I don't have time. And then the Lord stopped me one day and he's like, you're confessing this over your life and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's, it's manifesting in your life as you don't have time. It's like time is just short for you and everything. And it, when I realized I was confessing this over my life, I said, okay, I got to change my confession. So I started confessing, God, I have all the time I need to accomplish everything that you've called me to accomplish. I started saying that every day. Guess what happened? I started having all the time I needed to accomplish everything that God called me to accomplish. I, in fact, I had more time. I got to a place where I was like, well, what am I going to do with this next two hours? I have, I have just this big gap in my schedule. So start to confess. If that's not true in your life or if you don't feel like it's true, start to confess these things in your life until you see it become reality. Because it's actually partnering with what God says over you and what he sees you in your true identity, how he sees you in your true identity. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we just thank you for what you're doing in our nation. We just pray that a moral revolution is beginning in our nation. God, we just pray that we be good stewards and be able to share in the joy of the Lord in every area of our life. God, I just bless this congregation. God, we just come against every spirit of timidity and fear that's been trying to stop people from stepping into their gifts and their calls, and we just command it to break in Jesus' name. Father God, we just pray that we would step into the giftings and callings that you've called us to do and that we would come out of unworthiness. Father God, we pray that we would leave competition mindset and step into fathering and mothering mindset. And I just bless everyone here. 
Lord, help us to just not take anything for granted in this life. It's all yours. It's all yours, and you've given it to us freely to steward. I just bless everyone here. I just pray for divine health over each person, each family represented. I just pray that we would just come back to this place safely next week in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>